Grace and mercy and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is our second lesson that was read earlier from Galatians chapter 5. It is printed out in the service folder. You can also find it in the Pew Bible or your own Bible if you brought it along. I just want to reread two verses for you before we begin. Verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word of our Lord. Last week, we began this new sermon series called Disciple Shift. Of course, it's a little play on the word discipleship, right? Being a disciple of Jesus, we saw last week, means that we are totally committed, all in, to follow Jesus. Committed to the one who first committed himself to us, to rescue us, to make us his very own, to cleanse us from our sins, to give us the promise of heaven, and to lead us through this life, and to bless us in his grace. That's what discipleship is about, following the one, committing ourselves to the one who is so committed to us. And now, as we go on with this series over the next today and then six more weeks, we're going to see how this looks in the life of a disciple of Jesus. What is the shift that takes place when we are all in, when we are totally committed to the one who's so perfectly committed to us? We're going to live different. Our priorities change. How we live and how we talk and what we do is going to be completely shifted because of the one we follow. A disciple shift. And today, we get to see how we live, why we live what we are called to be and called to do as disciples of Jesus. My friends, Paul's letter, letter here from Galatians helps us. See, these, these verses from chapter 5 of this letter help us understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means you're free. Think about that. As a disciple of Jesus, you are free. <laughs> And maybe that sounds great, right? Maybe there are many things in your life that you would love to be free from. And I'm not talking necessarily you're free from your debt. Or you're free from some of the obligations that you have. You're not free from not having to go to work tomorrow morning. God has given you freedom from much greater things than these. Much more eternal things than these. God has given you, through Christ Jesus, freedom from your sin. Your sins can no longer hold on to you. He says later in this section, he says, You have been crucified. Your sinful flesh is crucified with Christ. You are free from your sins. You are not controlled by those sins anymore. You are free from guilt, from all those sins past. Those two are taken away. All of that guilt, all of those, those feelings that, that come back to you, you don't have to hold on to that anymore. For all of those bad things you have done and said, all of those evil things, 
They're gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far have our transgressions and all of the guilt that goes along with it, have they been removed from us? You are free. And that means you're free from condemnation. You're free from that condemnation that you deserve in hell, but, but God says because of Christ Jesus, who lived and died for you, your judgment is not to eternal death, but to eternal life. You are free from condemnation. And as you live in this life, you are free. You are free from the accusations of Satan. You are free from his power when you are in Christ Jesus. He no longer has any power over you. He's a roaring lion, prowling around, looking for someone to devour, but he has been defeated. His teeth had been removed. He cannot get you in Christ Jesus. You are free. Isn't it amazing? That is who you are as a disciple of Christ Jesus. You are called to be free from sin and guilt and condemnation and the power of the devil. You're free. He says it this way in our, in our, in our lesson. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In verse 1. And then verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That is what you are. That is what God has made you and declared you to be through Christ. The one that we follow. And that's got to shift things, doesn't it? It's got to change things. When we know that and we believe that and we live that. And that shift has to happen in our life because what is our natural inclination? It's to think, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to earn God's favor? What do I have to do to get right with God? Right? We hear these truths that nothing, absolutely nothing, it's done. Christ has freed you. You are forgiven. You are loved by God, all by grace. It's done, completed by Christ. You are set free. And if that shift doesn't happen, how easy it is to slip into that thought and that mentality and that life of, what do I got to do to get right? How do I have to live in order to follow Jesus? What do I have to do for God to love me and forgive me and give me heaven someday? That's a danger that we have to be aware of that we have this freedom, that we, and in that freedom, think that somehow we go back to having to earn God's love. Listen again to verse 1. He says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Slavery to the law. Slavery to thinking that somehow what I do gets me right with God and gets me that freedom. That's the problem in Galatia that Paul is addressing here in this letter. You see, they had come in with the gospel. And many came to believe, and that the church is there. These believers are gathered, and they know the freedom they have in Christ. But then after Paul leaves, these other false teachers come in. And they begin to tell them, oh no, Paul isn't right. Sure, sure, Jesus died for you. He did all of this for you, but, but you you still got to do all these things. You still have to get circumcised. You still have to do these offerings. You still have to live this life because if you're free, then you can just do whatever you want. No. 
You have to keep on doing these laws. And Paul is writing in this letter, and he writes harshly in many parts of this letter, no, you have been set free. And here he says, do not be put under that yoke of slavery to that law again. You are free from the law, dear Christian. You do not have to do anything to earn God's favor. It's already won for you in Christ Jesus. You are free from sin and guilt and condemnation and Satan, not because of anything you have done or ever could do, but because Jesus has done it for you. Do not go back into that yoke of slavery to think, this is what I must do to get right with God. Christ has done it for you. Do not let yourselves be burdened again. You are free. So does that mean that we can just live however we want? Does that mean that it doesn't matter how we live our lives in this world? Because that's the first thought that comes to mind, isn't it? And that is what many people believe, and many Christian churches even teach, is that, well, if we're really free, well, then it doesn't matter how we live. And so they put on the yoke of the law again. And God forbid if we have ever fallen into that trap and cheapened grace. If you have ever thought, it doesn't matter if I cheat on my taxes a little bit or cut corners at work or lie to my spouse or blow up at my kids because God will forgive me for that. Right? It doesn't matter if I, if I you know, go and look at those websites that I probably shouldn't. Or if I have a couple drinks over my limit. If I indulge the sinful flesh just a little bit. What does it matter? I mean, Jesus is going to forgive me anyways, right? God forbid if that's ever been our attitude towards sin. Because what we've done is trampled over God's grace. Spit in Jesus' face. Mocked him and insulted him. If we've cheap in grace to think that it doesn't matter how we live. God's going to forgive me anyways. Friends, we are free. We are free from the yoke of the law. We have been set free from those demands because Christ lived it perfectly for us. He died for all the times that we have broken, but now that law is, has a new purpose in our lives. Listen to what he says again in, in, in verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful flesh. That is not why we've been given this freedom, to just go live however we want. Instead, the reason you have been called to be free, he says, is to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, wait a minute. This seems contradictory. We're called to be free, but now you're talking about keeping a command. You're talking about fulfilling the law by loving your neighbor as yourself. So what is it? Are we free or are we not free? Yes. <laughs> you are free in Christ Jesus. You have been set free. But now knowing we're set free. Knowing what our Savior Jesus Christ has done for us. 
living for us and dying for us and rising for us, forgiving us, giving us heaven, calling us to follow him and and blessing us every step of the way towards heaven, that law becomes not something I have to do to earn God's favor, but something I get to do and want to do because I have God's favor. That law is not an obligation placed on us, but it's an opportunity to honor God, to thank God, to show my love for God. We get to keep the law in our freedom. We get to use our lives to live out what the law really is all about, and it's one word, love. Our lives as disciples of Jesus are about love. The love that God has first shown us by setting us free and now to live lives in love, to love him and love our neighbor. And just think about how revolutionary that could be in your life. Just think about what that would mean. If you come to realize that you are free, you are free to be a servant. And if that sounds demeaning, right, being a servant, if my life's just about serving other people and that sounds pretty terrible and demeaning to me, well then think about the Son of God who became the Son of Man. The one who humbled himself to come to this planet. The one who was willing to take on flesh and come here, the Son of God, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, to set you free by shedding his own blood so that you could be his very own, to be his people, to live in his love and to show his love. If being a servant is demeaning, look to the greatest servant of all, the Son of God who becomes the servant of sinful human beings. Jesus once said that that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for their friends. You know, Jesus doesn't necessarily call you most of the time to sacrifice your life, to give up your life for somebody else. But to live your life for everyone else. He gave up his life. He laid down that life. He chose to give it up for you so that you could be set free, so that you could know his love You could be his disciple. And now that you could go and live that love and be a servant as you follow him. Paul writes, Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's what our freedom is all about, dear friends. We get to serve one another. We get to put others before ourselves. We get to love as God has first loved us, selflessly, unconditionally, with no strings attached. We get to love without thought of what's in it for me. We get to serve without thinking, how is this going to benefit me in some way? We get to humbly serve in love as we have been first loved and served by the one that we follow, Jesus Christ. 
and think about how revolutionary that could be in your life. If that shift happens, if, if you grasp that love that God has for you, that then you get to show to others as you serve. Think about what it could mean for your marriage. If you see your spouse as someone that you get to selflessly serve. Think about how that looks in the relationship with your children. Right? You're not in it for the recognition. You're in it to serve selflessly as you've first been selflessly served by Jesus. Think about what that means for that relationship with that coworker who's always trying to put you down or the friend who talks behind your back or the relative who won't talk to you at all. As we serve one another humbly in love, we get to show the love of Jesus as we forgive, as we show kindness, as we desire the fruit of the Spirit that we saw of joy and patience and forbearance and gentleness and self-control. Right? All of these fruit of the Spirit, this is what we get to live in and show as we serve one another humbly in love. Friends, if you can get this, if this love of God in Christ Jesus that has set you free set, takes root in your heart and f grows out into your life, how life-changing that could be for you. It will turn everything upside down. It will shift everything. When you finally come to realize what your life in this world is all about, it's not about you. It's not about living for yourself. It's not about indulging that sinful flesh but it's about living for the one who lived for you and died for you and rose for you. It's about living for those that God has placed in your life around you as you get to serve them humbly in love. Sounds so simple when we sit here, right? <laughs> it sounds simple. Love because God first loved us. Love your neighbor as yourself. It sounds easy, and it, we know it's what we want to do as disciples of Jesus. We want this evident to be, love to be more evident in our lives, don't we? We want to serve one another humbly in love. It's no, we know that's what we're called to be and called to do. It's why we're set free. It sounds so easy, but you know it's not. You know when you walk out these doors that... You get into those situations and it's that sinful flesh rears its ugly head again. And it wants to do these things that Paul lists here, right? He identifies the struggle, doesn't he? He says that we've got the spirit within us, right? Uh, but it, it, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, right? And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, these are in conflict with each other. We know this struggle. We feel it every single day between the good we want to do and the evil we don't want to do, and what do we end up doing? Often following our sinful flesh. This is hard. And Jesus knows that. He knows being his disciple is not an easy road. He knows that total commitment to him and then to serving your neighbor in love is not an easy task. So what do we do? What does Jesus give us so that we can have the fruit of the Spirit? So that we can serve one another humbly in love? So we can be reminded of this freedom over and over and over that we've been free from the law, set free to serve in love? He gives us his Holy Spirit. He says here, walk 
by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he says right at the end, those who belong to Christ Jesus, they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Jesus doesn't just leave you all alone and say, good luck, hope to see you in heaven someday. No. He's promised we're going to be there. He's made a way for us to be there. All by grace, all by his work, not by ours. Not because we follow so faithfully, but because Jesus has been so faithful to us and will continue to be forever. And he says, as you walk that road, that hard road of discipleship, as you see what your life in this world is really all about, serving one another humbly in love, that you are a servant set free to serve one another, I give you my promised Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit comes to us in these means of grace. He comes to us through the gospel that reminds us that we are free in Jesus. He comes to us in the sacrament to remind us that we are forgiven. Heaven is ours. Our guilt and shame and regrets all removed. He continues to come to us with his promised Holy Spirit. And so friends, let's keep in step with the Spirit. As we follow Jesus, all in, totally committed, as we desire to serve one another humbly in love and realize our lives are about being servants to one another, let's walk with the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit who convicts us of our sinfulness and selfishness, who leads us back to the cross and the empty tomb, tomb to remind us of our full and free forgiveness who points our eyes forward again to heaven to remind us where we're headed and to give us strength every step of the way until we get there to live the life that Jesus has called us to live as his disciples, to serve, to love, to be his love to the world. May God grant us the strength and the desire and the ability to do so. Amen. Please stand.